Greetings, everyone, and welcome to WriteBrain, a podcast about writing and crowdfunded publishing. Welcome to WriteBrain Episode 2. We've been doing this for two episodes now. My name is J.F. Dubow. <laughs> I am the author of The Life Engineered, available on InkShare. With me is my good friend, Paul Inman. Paul, how are you doing? I'm doing well, and if you did not know, I am the author of Ageless. It is now up for pre-order also on InkShares.com. So, um, JF, let me ask you a question. What are you reading, if anything, right now? Right now, I am reading a book by Jana Grace that is called Battle for Oz. I I haven't dove in completely yet. I've read maybe the first two chapters. Uh, it's a, it's okay. a book that I got off InkShares. It was an impulse buy. I liked the cover. It was very green. And, <laughs> it definitely is. And someone recommended it to, it to me, and I, I decided, yeah, you know what? What the hell? I'll just, I'll just order it. And it's, it's very different than what I expected. I am, really? Well, a lot – here's the thing. Like, a lot of what we've seen written about, say, uh, Oz, like uh, movies like Oz the uh, Great and Wonderful. I can't remember one – the uh, the latest movie about that and a lot That's of close yeah and a lot of fairy tale remakes like the Alice in Wonderland with Johnny Depp everything's always right. about take the take the fairy tale and make it dark and gritty right but Battle for Oz does does not do that it is it is viewed as a sort of continuation or sequel but it keeps a tone that is in line with the Wizard of Oz like the the original. Right, and that took me by surprise because I expected something very mature and dark, and it turns out it's very whimsical, very straightforward, and and very it's still entertaining, but it's a completely different tone. So I got a bit of a literary whiplash. Cool. Well, you know, um, so how you're still pretty early into the story, correct? Yes, it, it, I'm. For all I know, it's going to take a turn, but it's so far, it's 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 got. It, I like the tone of it. It just took me by surprise. Well, I can tell you this. I have already read this. I actually was, um, I got a, a copy, I guess, in the early stages off of NetGalley, and um, I've already read it. I really enjoyed it. It was a good book. I don't want to spoil anything for you. Um, I I was reminded of kind of that show, what's that show called, Once Upon a Time, on um, television. I don't know if you've seen it. Um, I've I've heard of it. Well, I was a little bit reminded. My wife likes to watch it, and I catch it every now and then with her. And uh, I was reminded of that a little bit. And uh, if you're not very far or, or too far in yet, you probably don't know what's going to happen. So I'm, I'm not going to spoil it. But that's neat. So uh, what else is going on in the life of JF? There's a lot of things going on, mostly. I am uh, I am a few days away from going to CanCon, the, uh, the, the sci-fi fantasy literature and creation convention in Ottawa. That's very cool. I will be participating in a panel there on Sunday at 2 on crowdfunding and crowdfunded publishing. I'll be I'll be talking about ink shares, the 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 good, the bad and the ugly. And it it should be fun. It should be very educational. I I requested that panel. I I I went up to the uh, to the CanCon people and I said, Hey, I'm no one important, but I'd really like to be on a panel about crowdfunding. And he said, we don't have one. I said, that's the problem. You should totally have one and have me on it. Yeah. And they were nice enough to, to actually pull a few people together, find uh, a couple of other uh, other writers and authors that were attending that have crowdfunded or are actually comfortable with the idea of crowdfunding to put together a panel. 
So that that should be very interesting. And if you're in or from the Toronto, uh, the Ottawa uh, area, you should totally attend because it's going to be good times. It sounds awesome. I wish I could attend, but um, I'm a little too far away. And my daughter's birthday is actually this Sunday. So just a few days away, you'll be at um, CanCon, and I will be having a birthday party, which is the Hobbit slash Lord of the Rings themed this year. So, um, Oh, you've raised your daughter well, then. Uh, yes, yes. Oh, she loves it. She's going to be... Well, um, she's going to be Tariel, and I know that she's not from the story, but she likes her, you know... Uh, Female, a strong female for her to relate to. So, I, I have I have opinions about that, but they're extremely controversial. Uh, oh yeah, for, for a nerd, I <laughs> from the Hobbit movies, I thought the added material was more compelling than some of the stuff that was originally from the books. And I know that's sacrilege, but uh, no, I don't disagree. I, I truly don't. I, I I enjoyed all the the added things too. I mean, it just for me, it made the world more you know rich. It well, just defined things a little more. The way I see it is that The Hobbit was not necessarily written... It wasn't written in an era where authors or writers would sort of plan for the big screen, even subconsciously. Mm-hmm. So it's not a book that's very easy to adapt. And it's probably one of the reasons why Peter Jackson also f- thought it was a good idea to sort of fluff it up with some you know, some stuff from Dismarion and some other writings here and there and really pump it up to three movies. Also, I kind of figured that he... You know, he assumed this was his last chance at bat, so he might as well put as much as he could in there. Yeah, why so, not? Oh, that's. I mean, how many times can you go back to uh to to to, to the producers and to the execs and say, I want like all the money to make three huge movies about this thing that's rapidly losing popularity? I mean, this was his last time doing that, so he. he I, I think it was not initially a bad idea to do three movies, but yeah. Anyways. We're we're going on a huge tangent. I wanted to ask you in return, what oh, are you reading these days? Oh, uh, actually, I'm um, reading a little bit, a couple of different things actually, and I'm kind of scattered right now because there's so many things that I want to read. And I can tell you, when these when these books fund and they get published, I'm just going to be overwhelmed with books because I've ordered so many. But I'm I'm reading Alive by Scott Sigler right now, which is oh. a um. A big departure from his other books. If you have ever read him, this is I like I have a bit. We 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 were talking about Scott Sigler just in the pre-show. Yeah, yeah, we were, and uh, like I said, it's kind of a bit of a departure because this this is told in first person, which is unusual. The rest of his stories are are not in first person, and uh, for me, I'm not a I'm not a huge fan of first person. I don't dislike it, but I kind of think it's I don't know. I, I just don't care for it. I mean, I don't know how to explain it. But what what if the uh, the first person story was uh, was from the robot's point of view? I'm I'm asking for <laughs> completely arbitrary reasons. It's not like I wrote sure. a book. It's not like I wrote a book about robots. It's written from the first person at all. Oh, I'm sure you didn't, right? Um, I, I'm not against first person or anything like that. I will read it. I just me personally, I like third person because i get a little bit more of everybody's point of view i guess i don't know but anyway back to his book so far it's pretty good though i'm enjoying it and um i'm also reading uh abomination and that's like my my go-to like i'm about to go to bed you know so i lay down and i'll pull it up and i'll read a little bit um of the ebook and usually i'll read about four or five pages get tired fall asleep 
So that's why this one's kind of long and drawn out. I know it's been out for a while, and I've owned it since it came out. So um, I'm just kind of getting through it slowly but surely, which, I'm, you know, I'm I like very, it a lot. I'm very eager to hear your impressions of Abomination because I, I loved the book, mm-hmm. but I, I thought it was an odd specimen for a novel, and I want I wanted to know if you shared my opinion. But I'm going to well, wait until you're done with it. Okay. Well, as of right now, I'm, I'm really enjoying it. You know, I like the story, you know, so far. So we'll see what happens because uh, I do know that I'm getting very, very close to the twist here. Because I know it's there, but I'm getting close to it. So I don't know what it is, though, so don't tell me. <laughs> I, I will not. I will not. But I, 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 think, I think you'll be pleasantly surprised because if there's one thing that Gary Witta, the, the author of Abomination, did is there's, there's something in the pacing of the book that makes you expect certain twists and they don't happen the same way. And it's all it's all in the it's all in how we kind of expect things to go in a book way, but it goes in a screenplay way. And it's, right. it's very interesting how that changes how, how we approach the book. I, I thought, I thought it, was, it, it gave, it brought something new to the page that was, uh, I really enjoyed. Well, that's cool because and I, I think I'll relate to that because um, I really enjoy movies and television shows and stuff like that. And I've written a few of my own scripts, one full length movie, one, you know, three or four like short film kind of things. And I've made my own short films a couple here and there and uh, mostly just for fun because I enjoy it, you know. But uh, so I think that uh, I hope anyway that I'll be pleasantly surprised. Um, But yeah, that's about what I'm reading. Oh, Scott Sigler. I met him. He was pretty cool. I met him at Comic-Con this past summer in San Diego. He uh, signed my book, my copy of Alive, and he was pretty cool. He hung around and waited for me to get there. Then he signed that my book, is, took some pictures, and then he's like, all right, I got to go. <laughs> that is very cool. That is, is. That is was, dedication to the fan base. It it totally was. Makes you wonder, are you going, like, if ever you get to the point where you are in a situation like that, are you as a writer, as an author, uh, going to be as gracious to your fans? Well, I mean, I can tell you that I would love to be if if I can be. But, you know, sometimes, you know, like even then, I didn't expect him to be there because he wasn't supposed to be there the day that we had tickets um, he actually just had to go because he left something there. And he was tweeting with me and asked me to if I wanted to come over, if I had some time, he was going to be there for a few minutes. So it was really neat. It was a, it was a good experience. He was a good guy. Classy, classy guy for doing that. So, um, you know, that's, that's what I'm kind of reading right now. Uh, something else, too. Oh, I just finished um, the latest Stephen King novel uh, maybe about a month ago. Can't remember what it's called right now. But I, I was gonna was I was gonna ask you a title because I can't I can't keep up with the uh, with the Stephen King books. Yeah, and I I should read I haven't read Stephen King Finders books in maybe Keepers? five years. Maybe it's Finders be. Keepers, something like that. But uh, it was good. I enjoyed it because uh, this particular series that he uh, is making right now, there's a, it's a trilogy. Um, this was the middle book, and I can't remember what it, what it was called. I think it's Finders Keepers, but um, it's a lot different. It, it's it's a lot different than like. Um, something like it for example or you know some you know typical quote-unquote Stephen King because honestly I enjoy Stephen King a lot too and he um, he isn't really he shouldn't be maybe I should say that be like pigeonholed into being like a horror writer because he writes a little bit of everything at least from my point of view well he he writes what could be described as thrillers I guess but you're you're right in saying that 
pigeonholing him as a, as only a horror writer is a bit bizarre when you look at the uh, at the ensemble of his work. I mean, when you have things like Shawshank Redemption, right, um, and well, pretty much everything in different seasons, and you compare that to it or Tommyknockers, these are completely different beasts. And even Cujo, I mean, he writes about the supernatural, but he also writes about things that are completely mundane and does a good job with all of it. Well, not Tommyknockers was still garbage, but oh, I, I didn't mind Tommyknockers. I do see it was a lot of disjointed like things going on, but I thought it was okay. First, you know, it was okay. He was trying um his hand at you know the alien story, you know. I I loved the first half because I wanted to go I wanted it to go in a certain direction right. and I have to confess that when I was a kid the first time I read it I liked it and when I picked it up again cuz I wanted to sort of sort of remember it and the, the second time I read it as an adult I was less impressed especially since I had read more of his re- more recent stuff and I mean like like any like anybody he got better with time yeah. so obviously his more recent things are much higher quality, and Tommy Knocker just did not measure up. Well, you know, he got off the drugs and alcohol too. With a, apparently that was his his worst time period for that stuff when he was writing that book. Some of those books during that that kind of time there. Uh, but you know, who's to say if that made him worse or not? I mean, who knows? But I agree, there were some not so great books for a while, but they were never terrible. You know, there were some things that I wish were different, obviously, but. But he still he still ranks up there as probably one of my favorites, if not my favorite. But yeah, so I just finished his latest latest novel, and uh, it's pretty it's pretty different considering like what he normally writes. This is more just straight up kind of like uh, I hesitate to use the word crime drama, but I mean I, I don't I don't know how to describe it. I guess thriller. I guess thriller would be the the most generic way to describe it. But it was good. I enjoyed. It. I enjoy the characters. You know, he's always, that's one thing he always does well, I think, is, you know, he makes you believe that these people are real, you know? Yeah, and I think that's one of the most, at the same time, difficult and necessary thing as an author because you obviously want, I would say, if you don't want your book to sound like it's just academia and and, uh, background information and just just a, an info dump of exposition you want the world to be viewed through the eyes of several characters or at least one character and to do that properly you need to master who these characters are and how how to you know transpose them onto the page correctly so yeah and it's it's i mean like, again like it's it's something that he's obviously always done to a certain degree very well since he i mean he was popular from a long time ago but un, until still today so obviously he he knows the craft. I just find that his most recent stuff has it's it, it's also matured into thematics, which is interesting. Yeah. yeah. Uh, in fact, one of my favorite books by him in recent books is uh, eleven twenty two sixty three. I don't know if you read that one, but I was like, this is a I have book. not, but I've I've heard um, a podcast I listened to. The host has been raving about it. Yeah, I like it a lot. It's it's really good. And, uh, you know, even Under the Dome, which was a beast of a novel. I don't know if you read that, but gosh, it was long, 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 long. But anyway, uh, I, it was I good. I bought it at an airport and never got around to reading it, and it's in a box somewhere, unfortunately. You know, Stephen, Stephen King can take, he can take like 20 pages to talk about somebody making breakfast. You know, and I'm like, man. And it, I still find it interesting most of the time. You know, uh, like... 
Under the Dome was so long, but it was good. And you know what? I, I'll be honest with you. Probably won't like the end to that one too much. You might, you might. It, it was okay for me. But 11-22-63 was really like knocking it out of the park as far as I'm concerned. It was a great book. That was a great book. In fact, I've read it twice since it came out. It was great. I should, I should probably get it for myself. But again, I mean, I'm, I'm in the same position as you are where I have pre-ordered a ton of books on Inkshares. Mm-hmm. I want to read them once I get them. But at the same time, I already have a list of books that I'm currently going through. And right now I'm just trying to clear that pile before, uh, before all these books that are in production actually get published and sent to my house. And I know... I know that the timeline is roughly eight months. It's already been one month. So I have seven months or so to get through maybe 20 books. So I need to haul ass. <laughs> and next month, I'm not going to get much reading done because it's NaNoWriMo. But we'll talk about that a bit later. First, we're probably going to want to talk about uh, some Inkshares picks. Yeah, some crowdfunding picks. So last week, we did uh, we focused on some fantasy books. So this week, we're going to flip back to some sci-fi. And hopefully... Uh, like we said last week, that uh, you'll um, find these complementary to each other. So if you haven't ordered one or you haven't ordered either, hopefully we can sway you and you could go ahead and pre-order these particular books. Um, JF, what do you got for us? Because you're you're taking the um, the already funded one this week. What do, what do you got? Right. I'm, I'm I picked a book that's uh, that's currently in production uh, by my good friends Joseph Terzieva. I'm sorry, Joe, if I'm mispronouncing your name, but it's I'm not good with weird names. It's a tough one, though. A, you know, you had to add a glossary because of the weird names. I don't think you. I don't think that holds I, yeah, up I, for I, you. <laughs> I don't think you can I, say that. Yeah, I don't get a pass. I don't get a pass. But <laughs> so, anyways, um, Joseph's book is called Lost Generation. It's a sci-fi uh, sort of sci-fi thriller. I'll read you the, the his synopsis here, and then I'll, I'll discuss it, and we'll talk a bit about Joseph himself because he's a he's a really cool guy, very important and sort of pillar of the uh, the inkshare writing community. Oh yeah. The story is a generation enters into a workforce where autom- automation vastly eliminates the need for manual labor. A society's worth of individuals, financed by government subs- subsistence, drifts aimlessly through life. Lost Generation tells the story of four of these individuals. Lauro, Adi, Marta, and Claudia exist in a world as filthy as it is beautiful, neon and dirt, rich with a compelling narrative that fills the character with restless wanderlust. Together, the group travels the countryside on a path of discovery to rise above their circumstance while simultaneously reminded of the chains that bind them. Their chemistry, compassion, virtues and flaws shine at every turn and propel them forward to the end of the line. So this book kind of has a bit of history with me when I read it because Joseph is the guy with whom I spent the night uh, of the the last night of the uh, sort of laser contest tweeting back and forth and messaging as we were both panicking and losing our collective uh, crap over whether or not we would make the top five for the contest. And obviously this was, this was the first Inkshare contest. We were both very much invested and we were both hovering in, in the lower spaces, especially uh, Joseph spent like hours in fifth place watching the numbers of other books climb and, and, and dip 
as his position was sort of threatened. So he was he was very nervous and he really wanted this to happen. So I got to, I got to Joe, uh, to know Joe very very well and we were talking about our books and there's something about the tone of Lost Generation and the thematic of how automation is replacing people and the need for manual labor, which spoke to me because my own book, Life Engineered, is about a, a post-scarcity world where even people have been replaced by robots. So I, I sort of saw Lost Generation a bit as a, a sort of sp- spiritual prequel. And when you read some of the chapters... Like the first, the first two, uh, the, the he's got chapter two as a uh, as a sample, and when you read through it, there's a very I, I don't know if it's just the way I perceive it, but there's a deep melancholy. He he really nails the the listlessness of people who are stuck in a situation where they nest, they essentially have nothing to do or no future and just no way out, and how. The, the, yeah, how the, it sort of creates this this world of mundanity to them, and the way he describes. I mean, you were talking about Stephen King earlier, and the way he describes characters and mundane things, and his entire, the entire first half of his, of this this second chapter, is all about the character Lauro waking up and sort of being wandering his own house, wondering wondering where his family is, and just going through the motions and. It's I don't know. It, there, there, there's there's he. Although I don't know much about the rest of the story, I I mean I've read some uh, some of the samples obviously. But if there's one thing that's really well captured beyond just like what the story is or what the twists are going to be, is is the mood of it. I'm very eager to see what how that transposes to the other characters because Lauro, you as you read i don't want to spoil too much even even this the first uh, this this sample chapter has a some interesting twist to them but like he for example the, during the, the chapter he uh he, he goes outside his house and there's this dog and apparently there's a there's he thinks this dog is supposed to be imaginary but at that point in in the story he's not sure anymore because then he can pet the dog and there's anyways i there's there's something to the bizarrety of how that character interacts with the world around him and how he he all this sort of mundane yet surreal stuff is captured in that chapter that it it really speaks to me as someone who has I mean, I've I've been unemployed in the past. I've had like this this situation where I was wondering, as a graphic designer, it's getting like we're in a world where there's more and more templates, and it's easier and easier to pretend you're a graphic designer. So I've been in this situation where I was wondering if my entire career was going to get erased. So I don't know. It's it's just appeals. I'm very to you, eager. Huh? It, it just appeals to me. Maybe it, it's too visceral the way it appeals to me that I'm not able to be analytical about it. But and and as someone, I mean, my I I love robots in a way that's probably illegal in a few states. So <laughs> I don't think we should I'm, talk about that. <laughs> probably not. <laughs> so, but I've I've always one of the things I've shied away is I don't want to write the story about the evil robot overlords. I don't want I don't want to write the story about the robot uprising and the robot takeover. But what Joseph does is he's writing about part of 
automation and how robots are quote unquote taking over the world, but the more the more mature version. Like I I shied away from the the, the idea of like Terminators and Matrix and all that and because although I the the I say the sort of quote unquote cartoonish version of a robot takeover appeals to me on an aesthetic sense and I I took the complete other side where the, the robots are are good and, and having robots take over is a good thing in in the life engineered but Joseph actually explores a much more realistic robot takeover where they're slowly replacing us through eliminating our workforce and it is basically that stage in in the continuous industrial revolution where that it's that tipping point just before scarcity is eliminated mm-hmm. but not quite enough that it's not causing certain amount of misery and, and despondency in people and i'm i'm curious to see how that's going to go so well let me ask if you, you go ahead go ahead oh i was going to say let me ask you um when you were uh um communicating with him back in the sword and laser contest on that night did you get into it all where um he maybe came up with this uh, with this premise, you know, where, where, what was he thinking of? Like, what led him down this street? I mean, obviously, we can look around us now and see that things are heading that way. You know, especially in some areas more than other areas. Um, did he? Dis- did you guys discuss that at all? Like, or have you since? I, I, I'd love to say that we have, but if we did, it was like two and a half in the morning. Right. And it is not a clear memory, which makes me a terrible podcaster that I can't really reference the uh, that information. You'd think that would have been something uh, interesting to take down, but obviously <laughs> I didn't know I was going to do a podcast about well, this true. when we were talking about it originally. What? You didn't know that? No. No, I don't plan that far ahead. <laughs> but Who does, right? But anyways, if, if you're the kind of person who looks at what uh, Boston Dynamics is doing with their, their robot dogs and, and is interesting in all these this, uh, self-driving Google cars, if you're the kind of person who, who's curious as to the social impacts of what these, these new machines and these new AIs are going to do as they slowly replace uh, certain, la- certain types of labor and certain types of industry... I think Joseph's book is going to be very important on uh, on that front, and I highly recommend that you go to Inkshare and pick it up because I, I I think he's got something. I think he's he's tapping into something that is maybe less fantastic than spacefaring robots, like I did, but perhaps more societally important. Uh, yeah. I mean, I can I can see that, and um, I uh, I think Joe's I think Joe's a great guy, and. Um, He's actually the one who put together one one of the well no I think he actually started it right over at Goodreads he started our for our forums over there or or what is yes it called? he forum he's I the guess. one who uh, yeah he's the one who put it together the uh, the Ink Shares Writers Forum on Goodreads he's the one who uh, then went forth and invited uh, Jeremy and Avalon mm-hmm. and all the people from Good from Ink Shares to join the forum which if if you are part of that community you realize how important. First, the fact that this forum exists and how InkShares interacting on that forum is is important to development of the relationship between the authors and InkShare. And Joseph was at the at the very beginning of that. At the the foundation of that is completely his. So he's he's an, he's a pillar of our community, and I'm I'm super glad to be a friend of his. Yeah, and uh, you know he well he's he, he's, he's always he's like there of, in the back. What I'm trying to say is kind of he's always there. You know. 
with encouraging things, and he's always like uh, being helpful, and he's always making sure that everybody is uh, feeling kind of like um, su- included. included, included, successful is what I was going to say, but included is better. Sorry, I don't know. My mind is just the. It's late. No, no problem. It's late I, I think night I, I get tonight, what you, you mean. Know, I'm, <laughs> I'm tired. Yeah, we're 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 recording this at maybe not the best hour. No, but late. no, I, I I understand what you mean, and I think I can translate it. it yeah. One of the things that really uh, made us a bit bitter during the the last few hours of the uh, sword and laser contest was the the level of competition was not pleasant to deal with, and that's something like the, the very reason why Joseph. Uh, founded this forum on Goodreads was to have the authors have a place to to get to know each other so that's not to to have that kind of bitterness that comes with the contest and the reason for that why it was important to him and I I don't mean to put words in his mouth but I, I I mean this is something that we've discussed the reason that this was important to him is because he couldn't see himself doing another contest or another campaign in the same atmosphere as a sword and laser one because it was so isolating and so cold. Right. But he, I mean, obviously like most of us, he wants to, he, he doesn't want to just publish one book and it should be noted that lost generations and is in production because it got, I mean, it, it won the uh, sword and laser contest and obviously he doesn't want to do just one book and the idea of re uh, re uh, crowdfunding on Inkshare is important it's obviously an option for him and to be able to do it in a more welcoming environment is is crucial so that's why he 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 put his foot forward and initiated the 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 kind of environment he wants to be in when when he he finances the next book so which is awesome i mean it's fantastic um if you are not part of that group and you are listening to this um you know maybe you should go check it out uh, inkshare's writers forum over uh, on goodreads because uh, you know we're there we frequent uh i don't i don't post a lot anymore as much as i did early on but i definitely check it every day read the read the stuff that's going on i mean um so and that's where uh, Joe had invited the uh, staff from Inkshares, and that's where they came to us and asked us our opinions about you know we're thinking about changing the funding goals which you know go into effect on the thirtieth uh, of October, and they really listened to us as we said in the, in the last podcast, and you know that was that was very cool. You know if there wasn't that place to go then obviously, you know, they would have not taken our ideas into consideration and even, you know, expanded on some of those ideas, you know. So it's it's just a very cool thing. And, you know, Joe is the reason behind that. So appreciate it, buddy. Yeah, it's 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 really just the uh the the, the concept of be the change you want to see uh, brought to life. Right. So how about you? Okay, so, I, I, you you also picked a book that I I absolutely adore and was championing in the first contest. So yeah, I like this I'll, book. Uh, too. I'll let you go with it. I like this book too. I picked um, Paul Robinson's Ghosts of War. Uh, this is a this is a really cool book. I mean, even well before we talk about that, let me just re- read you uh, the couple paragraphs that he has here. Um, Six months following the death of his mentor and leader, Cole Trask is returning to work for the forty second Purifying Force. Now leading Shadowpoint, the squad he'd been a part of for 10 years, Cole must balance the responsibility of leadership 
the squabbling of his pilot and demolitions man, and the inexperience of the young new squad member fresh from the academy. When a ghost from the past unexpectedly appears during a routine assassination mission, Cole's life is thrown into turmoil. This ghost, Tobias Navarre, was thought to have been killed 15 years ago and arrives hell-bent on tearing Cole's life down to its foundations. So, um, this is just a really, to me, is a really neat book. And uh, I, I really enjoyed it. Uh, the stuff that I've read so far. And Awning Shares, if you um, have not taken a look at it, he has eight chapters that you can preview. I have not read all through through, through them all, but um, what I have read, I really enjoyed. And uh, I like this style of um, story. I just like it a lot. And, and earlier we were talking about Scott Sigler, and he's got some uh, stuff that happens that that is reminiscent of what's going on here. If you read into it... Uh, it's set, well, you know, I don't actually know. I would think that it's in the future. It feels like the future to me. Um, but it's just really neat. And uh, there's this task force who, by the way, if you go to the Inkshares site and you search for this, Ghosts of War, his is another one of these funding pages that is just really amazing. I mean, he has artwork. He has um, audio excerpt recorded by some guy so um <laughs> was it you it was me um and you know I, again like i said like i've said before like almost every time that we've brought this up i chose the books that i wanted to read because i think that they look and sound very cool you know these are the books that i i want to read you know and on the on his um on his funding page i mean you can clearly see that he has his self together. I mean, he's got a, dis, uh, a description of every main character, and I don't mean necessarily a uh, physical description, but a you know, he's got a little bit about each of the characters. He has uh, the production about how how he's been working on it during his life, and you know, a little bit about himself. If you want to read up on that, um, he is Australian, by the way. He is one of our uh, one of our Ink Shares buddies that is not from you know, this hemisphere. So that's always cool. I think, I think the, uh, that this is a global thing is very, very neat. And, you know, he's just, he's just a really nice guy. And I mean, he's even doing a con, a contest, you know, he's giving away a $200 gift card when he gets 400, um, readers, you know? So, I mean, that's, it's pretty amazing. I don't have money for a $200 Amazon gift card, but you know, he's just, I go ahead. I, I would recommend going to see his page just for the uh, his book trailer and video, because it is it is crazy because he's basically based it on the uh, the art that he had done for the book, which is gorgeous. I did, I can't remember. Did he do the art himself or uh, is it someone else? Because I, I know he's else. he's a bit of a designer. Uh, he yeah he is, but I think he um, outsourced it to someone else. Because I had asked him, I had asked him one time, but I can't remember. He told me the guy's name. I don't remember, but I, I'm, pretty I'm pretty sure it's, sh- it's in the video, like in the credits. Yeah, I'm pretty sure that he I, he maybe did the initial designs, but then he had someone else do more final finalized stuff. Because here's here's my confession: I back in the early days of the uh, the first Inkshare uh, Inkshare contest for Sword and Laser, I I was looking at various books, and Ghost of War is one of them that kind of caught my eye, and I listened to the video. 
And I, I remember taking down the artist's name and going on th- down this rabbit hole of watching videos from that artist doing... I did the same uh, thing. That is funny. I did the same thing. But here's the thing. I didn't know what to do for my book trailer and not being terribly original and having absolutely no desire to be in front of a camera to do it. I, I sort of, that's where I stole the idea. I said, hey, I do illustration. I can totally record myself drawing a robot and doing a voiceover for that and that's that's how I did that's how I came up with my book trailer and I repeated the the procedure for my second book trailer for for a god in the shed so I I owe Paul a huge <laughs> debt of gratitude cuz I stole his idea well I'm sure I he won't got inspired I guess yeah. oh no no Paul Paul's good people oh uh, yeah he he totally is um and you know he he designs like his uh his own book covers and stuff uh just like you did yours for God in the Shed and for Life Engineered, correct? I did I did the first cover for Life Engineered and once I got the illustration from my friend Eric, who is an insane illustrator, uh currently working with Ed Greenwood on uh, on some on on some project. Uh once I got that, I redid the uh, the the cover design, but once all of that was said and done, I I still allowed Girl uh Girl Friday production to redo the design because I I know that they had co- sort of ideas for it and they, they did come up with something that was really cool and sort of forced me to to abandon some of the design elements that I had been maybe too married to. Yeah, that ha- that happens. So yeah. So so anyway, he um I I loved his book cover. Even the first book cover in the um, Sword and Laser contest was very cool. If you go there now, you can see the the new orange. Uh, well, it's newish. It's been up for a while during the Nerdist, con- Nerdist contest, but it's very cool. And he designs all this stuff on his own and puts it all together. It's it's really just and it's and it's beautiful. That's what I'm saying. And it's like ready, he, you know. Here, here, here's a weird thing. I'm not sure if I prefer the first one, the first book cover, or the second one. There was something evocative about the simplicity of those those marks. Yeah, the hash marks, and yeah. those five marks being in red. I mean. Even though it wasn't as illustrative, and maybe would not—I don't know—I the fact that it was a white cover with these marks and the red ones, it, it had a lot of contrast. I think kind of jumped out. Mm-hmm. I love the the new one because obviously it also has a lot of punch. You still have those marks, but they're kind of faded in the background. Yep. And I I go back and forth. Yeah, I like how. Anyways, he he he's a good designer, is what we're trying to say. Yeah, and I like how he incorporated those marks into because, like you said, the first book cover was really you know a nice looking cover, and I was really impressed with it. And then when he came out with this one, it just kind of blew me away. And uh, he was very kind when um, I recorded uh, the audio excerpt for him. He helped with a design for Ageless, which is right now, uh, as of as of this recording anyway, it is the current one on Inkshares, the blue DNA uh, cover. I I don't have a name for it. I guess that's what it could be called. the The Paul Robinson special is what is what I should call it. But he's um he was kind enough to do that for me, you know, as a thank you. And I thank you know I I really appreciate his help. In fact, so much that I offered it up to. Uh, Girl Friday and I said, you know, I like this cover, and uh, how can we incorporate some of these things, or can we just incorporate all of this? Unfortunately, the consensus was this cover feels more like a science book than a science fiction book. So I was like, okay, well, I don't agree, I, but 
I can see your point of view, but I so think I. the so I think I think it wasn't the image as much as the uh, the positioning of the uh, the title and author name. Yeah. If if they would have been positioned in a more traditional way for a novel, I I think that cover would have worked because it it is a gorgeous cover. I I had forgotten that Paul did that for you. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah, he did. It was really cool of him. And uh, you know, when we're still in the design phase of the cover. Um, but we're a little bit closer to nailing down what we um, are going to pick for Ageless or what we're going to have for Ageless. But uh, there were in the initial, you know, few designs, they tried to incorporate that in. And, you know, I didn't I didn't dislike what they did. I did not care for the person that they chose, the, like the, the, the image, because they added a, a person to the image, to the cover, so I didn't care for that particular part of it. The rest of it was, it worked all right, but it was, uh, I don't know, I just found one that I, I kind of appealed to me a little more. It was more in line with uh, um, one of the, on the author questionnaire, you know, one of the ideas that I had. In fact, um, the one that Paul made for me was right along those ideas, uh, as well he's it's just i had three or four ideas he just chose one of them and he went with that one they at uh, girl friday tr- chose a different one and, and you know we've got to where we are which only a few people have seen so um anyway back to the book it's a fan it's fantastic it's fantastic the beginning i love the this little back little backstory that they allude to in in the paragraphs that i read uh, for the uh, routine assassination mission, it's just really you know full full of like good action and good dialogue, and the characters instantly feel pretty real to me. You know the you know you've got your uh, and I can tell you why that is because uh, they fall in line with kind of um, I hate to use the word stereotypical, but that's the best word I can think of all right off the top of my head. But because they are that way, they they feel like home you know what i mean they're they're comfortable so i I instantly start like you know rooting for this guy and rooting for that guy and um you know that the uh, pilot and the demolitions man they're always going to be like griping about something back and forth and it's going to be um sometimes you know comical and humorous and you know i i find that i find that kind of comfort uh a good thing in his story and you know he writes well too he writes well so it's it's easy it's easy to read because it's so well written, you know. Yeah, it's it's one of those things that I'm not usually huge on military fiction, mm-hmm. but there's he's taking it in a in a sort of different way, and I I I, I don't know if I'm presuming, but there's kind of this reverse Count of Monte Cristo thing with the idea of this guy who f- was supposed to be dead coming back for revenge, and. I'm I'm curious to see how that gets integrated with the whole military sort of couching of, of, of the setting. It's going to be it's going to be a good uh, a good book, and like like you said, like the samples that he's got so far are very well written, right. very compelling. And when you say like you you're apologizing for using the word stereotype, but stereotypes are a way of quickly establishing comfortable and familiar settings bef- so that you can move the story along, like. If, of course, if you're of not course. doing, if you're not writing a character study, there's no reason to try to reinvent the wheel with like complex characters because that might take away from the, the rest of the story. If if the twists and turns are not in the characters themselves, or they're later in the characters themselves, there's nothing wrong with like just starting off with a stereotype and then moving on from there. Well, right, and I'm sure that's that's what is going to happen. You know, I mean, even if it 
even if that doesn't if they don't move too if he doesn't move too far away from that that's still okay because like i said i find a comfort in that and and like you said the stereotypes exist to kind of help you usher in you know what this is what this character is you you already kind of know what this is but um we want to get past that and get into the story and get you know the important stuff get to the the meat the meat you know get to the meat of the story so um exactly and i i think paul's talented enough that he's going to be able to to take what he's got and move it in an interesting direction i'm i'm eager for it me too i am too so um with our last little segment here oh before i get to that go order ghosts of war from ink shares paul robinson you will not regret it so in that's a great segue into our next even though it's a terrible segue but <laughs> into our into our next i was going to question you on that <laughs> well i can do better um Paul Robinson is writing the sequel to Ghost, working on the sequel to Ghost of War, and he is going to be working hard on it during NaNoWriMo. Better? That is much better. better. I, didn't, I, I did not know that he was doing that. Mm-hmm. Have, have you ever done NaNoWriMo? I have not, actually. It's, uh, being a teacher, like the school year is just like so crazy. So um, especially in November... We, as a as a course teacher, we're gearing up for the holiday season, which is our most hectic time because people want entertainment. And, you know, I'm supposed to be teaching kids how to be entertainers, you know. So it's just busy, 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 busy. So I've never had a chance to participate. Have you? Why, yes, I have. Okay. Um, okay, for, for those who don't know, NaNoWriMo is the uh, National Novel Writing Month. It's... How could I say? Basically, the whole goal is, is sort of a personal challenge. There's no real contest, although they're calling it a contest. But it's more of a challenge that you give yourself to write a 50,000-word book or text or essay during the month of November. Do you, uh, The quick math is that this is about 1,667 words per day, which to some might sound like a lot and to others sound like not much. And NaNoWriMo has a sort of a special place in my heart because it's really where I got the genesis of wanting to be a writer. Obviously, there's a lot of stigma to the idea of, of someone taking their NaNoWriMo and publishing them without rev- revisions or adding to it because 50,000 words is not actually the, biggest, the, the longest book. Some, some would even suggest that it's not a, a proper novel, even though a novel is supposed to be 40,000 words or more. And obviously the idea that someone writing something at a very fast pace is going to probably eschew quality and proper editing. So obviously when someone says I'm publishing my nano, it's sometimes will worry readers. However, what's fun about NaNoWriMo is that it's good for people. It's good for several different people. For, For me, it was... Very important because I, like many people, wanted to write a book. That was on my quote-unquote bucket list. I wanted to do that before I died. And when I heard about NaNoWriMo, I figured this is the perfect framework for me to do this. And I wrote a terrible vampire book because I figured everyone's got a dumb vampire story to tell. And I might as well tell my mine like, in a book that will never get published because it will be my first and worst book. And so it let is, me ask it is. It's terrible. Right, let me ask you a little yes, bit go about ahead. it. First of all, do you have a title? What's the title? 
Uh, it's the flower that would not wilt. Okay. Um, did you get 50,000? 50,000 words? Oh, absolutely. I went up to about 55,000. Oh, good job. And um, do you care to share anything about your... Your first novel? Absolutely not. Okay. It is. No, it's, I mean, it, it, I basically, I, I wrote this like years ago. This was like almost six, six and a half years ago. Well, no, six and minus one month because it was during NaNoWriMo, oh, so well. we're closing in on the proper anniversary. So it was about six, uh, six years ago and, that I wrote this, and basically this was a time where there was a lot of really terrible vampire fiction being thrown at us from everywhere. Just the same way right now everything's zombies. Six years ago everything was vampires and not of it, not all of it was good. And I wanted to write a con- piece of contemporary fiction about vampires that did not portray vampires as romantic interest or good guys or fantastic things. Like I wanted to step away from the superheroes of the night sort of trope about vampires and I did that and I did that successfully but it's still terribly written the characters are eh, kind of uncompelling not very interesting but midway through that book I realized that I had I had the addiction I had the pardon the pun the quote the the, the bite nice (laughs) of and I I realized oh well good news this is not going to be my last book because I'm going to be doing this forever and I, I, ever since then, I've been writing very compulsively. Now, another kind of people that you'll find doing NaNoWriMo that I only discovered after I started actually interacting with the community because community is super important for NaNoWriMo, and I did not know that. Mm. I, I did my first two NaNoWriMo's alone at home. But there are, there are meetups and there are municipal liaisons and there's entire communities built around this event. And I've met a bunch of people that do NaNoWriMo, and most of them don't even care to publish. They're just doing it for fun. They're they're writing fan fiction and poetry, and just some of them are using it to write their doctoral essays. It's <laughs> it's a bizarre it's hodgepodge cool. of so many things. And I I discovered that people like me who actually want to publish and write more than just as a hobby are not necessarily the majority. So so this whole thing about people publishing their Nano isn't that super common even though the stigma is real and for me NaNoWriMo has become this place where I sketch my books and this is the Life Engineer started as as an as a NaNoWriMo book about three years ago and it's it is it is something that I just I do the 50,000 words from it and that way it builds the skeleton on which I can hang a proper book. I mean, whatever comes out of NaNoWriMo is, is terrible. But some of the ideas, some of the characters, some of the, the very seeds of ideas that can be used after become the foundation of, of a proper novel. And after rewriting it for a year and a half, then it becomes something more interesting and something that my better readers and the reviews I've gotten so far tell me is a very good book. Let me let me ask you. Let me if I can interrupt you. I'm sorry. Um, no, absolutely. Let me ask you about the community that we were just talking about a minute ago. The community is um, very like supportive, right? Like um, you can. Ha- it's almost like well, I don't know, but from what I understand, you almost can like buddy up and make sure that you know you you stay on your word counts. You um, have like a almost like a team effort. 
you know, where you have some accountability. Someone is holding you accountable um, for what you're doing. Hey, did you did you hit your mark today? You know, just to kind of give you that little friendly nudge. Um, at least that's the people that I know have mentioned that to me before because I've never, like I said, I've never done it. Um, I would love to do it if it was uh, not necessarily November. And I know that uh, they have other times of the year. Um, I was gonna, I was going to say that you, you'll year. be happy to know that there's also uh, something called Camp Nanorimo, which is kind of their summer event. The funny thing is, um, though, I, I didn't know that until um, about September. So <laughs> I didn't know, I didn't know about the Camp Nanorimo. Well, get get ready for next summer. Uh, but I, you're you're right. right. You're right about the community. One of the things there there's one of the things that's very important about the community is something they call they call write-ins, which are basically where a bunch of people get together and write together. And although it can seem distracting to not be writing alone there's for those who are more hobbyists there there's something called word wars where people give themselves challenges to see who will write the most words in the least amount of time and basically the, the, the kind of support that you just described people encouraging each other especially live and in person and giving each other tips or helping each other resolve like when you have writer's block or you're, you're stuck on a piece of plot ha- being able to discuss it and ask questions or inspiration is super useful to be able to break through that and move on and write some more so this it's it's, it's that very community environment that makes NaNoWriMo a very uh, fertile ground for creating the, uh, the the basics for your book, and I'm I'm not the only one. Like there's a lot of people. There's there's some published authors that use NaNoWriMo very in a way that's very sim- similar to how I use it. And I mean I didn't invent the idea of sketching a book at NaNoWriMo. This is something that's been done by much more successful and intelligent people, and I stole that idea from them. And if, if I'm not mistaken, Tom Merritt from Sword and Laser, that's how he comes up with his books. The same way he sketches them out in NaNoWriMo and then rewrites them furiously and edits them and, and polishes them throughout the years and then publishes them. And I, I just finished reading uh, Citadel 32 from, uh, from Tom. And it's, it's one of those books that you just want more, not necessarily in the sequel, but there's so much detail, so much information about the world building that... I wanted a much thicker book that went into into those details. So that's all that to say that NaNoWriMo is next week. And this is why we're talking about it. And if you are an aspiring writer and you're looking for a way, first of all, for an, an event, something to do, something to motivate you to write, it is a very good place to start. If you're looking for a you know, to, to put a foot into your local community of writers and meet new people and other people that are writing in your, in your geographical area, I urge you to go to NaNoWriMo website and sign up and you'll, you'll find that no matter where you are, there are people writing that you can meet and hang out with and, and get to know. And it's, it's an amazing way to learn. Even if you think that you already know a lot about the publishing and writing, there's always something else to get from actually interacting directly with people. That's very cool. That's very cool. And um, if you want to do that, where would you go to sign up? Just go to nanorimo.org and you'll find all the information there. You uh, there, there's tools there to sort of uh, to, to to start your book. You can uh, you can 
sign up your book, sign up for, for an account, and then every day you can add where you are with your word count. And it gives you a progress bar and some stats about how many words per day you still need to do to reach the, your goal. It's very interesting. It's a very cool interface. There's forums, obviously, there that mm-hmm. are separated by region and by topics so that you can meet who your municipal liaisons are and you can see who is in, the, in, in your community. There's a calendar like a local calendar for uh, for every municipality that will tell you where the write-ins are and who's going and when they are. It's it's super comprehensive. It's one of those things that has been going on for quite a while and it's if I'm not mistaken it's completely non-profit and it's done by by mostly volunteers and donations. So it's I don't know. It's it's one of those things that has become very dear to my my heart because a I've got a lot of friends doing it. And it's been such such a positive experience for me. Um, even at CanCon on the evening of the uh, on Saturday evening at around midnight, they're having sort of a a launch party, a write-in for everybody there that are going that wants to just get started and like and get in a start start you know get on the ground running with their novel for NaNoWriMo. So I'm I'm super eager there because I'm going to meet a bunch of new people. So JF, um, you have written five five novels. Is that correct? So far, yes. Five novels. Out of those five, how many of them came from uh, the bare bones of an, a NaNoWriMo book? Four. Four out of the five? Yes. Okay. That is, that's fantastic. So, I mean, you definitely utilize this. Now, are you going to be in the write-in on, uh, at midnight on Saturday night? It all depends how trashed I am because... <laughs> Uh, one, one of the things I forgot to mention is that at CanCon, anybody that doesn't want to be there on Sunday, if you want to meet me on Saturday and don't want to necessarily pay for the convention itself for any reason, um, I will be at the uh, the local Three Brewers restaurant and pub with some friends, and I'm going to have a uh, I'm going to have a cover of my book on the table so that it's easy to find. anybody anybody can join us and we'll hang out. And I've I've got some signed prints for uh, from some robot art I did for Life Engineered. So I'm I'm inviting anybody that wants to come hang out to do so because that's going to be a blast. But if it's too much of a blast and at 11:30 I can't see the tip of my nose anymore, I may not start writing then. <laughs> do you have? <laughs> that is awesome. I, I can't. I wish I could be there, honestly. Uh, Next year. Well, you... we're, we're going to Balticon together. Yes, I'm, yes, we are. I'm stating are. it. Yeah. Uh, what was I going to ask? Oh, 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 do you have an idea for your um, book? Or, well, you know, your writing this, this, this time. I do. Actually, I've been planning. Uh, I, I, one of the things I did, like the first book I wrote for NaNoWriMo, I went in with no plans and no ideas. Well, no, I had an idea, but not, you know, no plans. No, specific plan or outline um for this time and for most other times i try to do about a a month of preparation i usually have my ideas like i have one of the reasons i think i'm never going to stop writing is because i have ideas for books faster than i can write them which is a luxury problem (laughs) yeah that's true I'd love to just sit around and write, but uh, you know I have bills same. to pay. Well, yeah, it's the same problem. But that's the thing. So I, I about a month before NaNoWriMo, I'll pick a book, like pick one of my ideas, and start fleshing it out, and make sure that I have a proper outline. I know who my characters are as well as possible. Obviously, there's going to be surprises and changes and unexpected twists, and that's what makes writing fun. But having a good solid base in advance, I can hit the ground running and. 
I can I don't end up moving from one act to the other not knowing where I'm going how I'm going to tie up my loose ends like I, I have a good idea about how I'm going to handle things so yeah I'm right now I mean this is a few days away I did actually Monday night yesterday night I spent three hours at the a local Starbucks just you know polishing my outline and and going and, and creating my characters and I'm so eager to work on this it's gonna well, be that's so good. much fun do you have uh, any any spoilers for our listeners? No, I can't <laughs> yet. I hey, it's worth a try. Though. No, it's here's the problem is, and I'm I'm I don't know how much I'm shooting myself in the foot. I'm not I'm writing this not just for myself. I this this is something that I am contracted to do. So, really, but I can't That's cool. I can't say more until November. Say no 5th. more, my friend. Say no more. But on the, on November fifth, like whatever episode we record that, that that goes out after November fifth, I'll my my NDA sort of lifts a bit, and I can talk about it more freely. That's awesome. That's fantastic. Um, great. I'm I'm very happy for you. Uh, so that about wraps us up, huh? It does. It does. And we're actually not wrapping up twenty or forty minutes after our our assigned time. So episode two, we're we're nailing it. We're starting to actually get our format together. Yeah, we're falling into the groove. <laughs> and and good news is, um, soon we're going to have a proper website. We're going to have proper hosting. Uh, I'm I'm working on that. Unfortunately, like I have a lot going on, so I'm trying to I do a, a bit here and a bit there. But sooner rather than later, we'll have this. If you're not getting this on iTunes, then the next episode you'll be able to get on iTunes or, or wherever other uh, iPod, podcasts are given away for free. Yeah. Um, so speaking of uh, websites, do you have somewhere that people can come and check you out online? Absolutely. Anybody that wants to see what I'm doing or what I'm up to, and I'm going to refurbish this page because I know this is kind of a mess. But if you want to see like my books and what I'm doing, just go to jfdubo.com. That's J-F-D-U-B-E-A-U dot com. How about you, and, uh, Paul? Where can people find you? Your web page, which is awesome, by the way. Yes. Oh, thank you. Um, it's just a, just a template, uh, WordPress template. That I modified a little bit. But anyway, so uh, it's uh, www.paulinmansc.com, P-A-U-L-I-N-M-A-N-S-C for South Carolina, dot com. And um, you could probably find me uh, tweeting a little bit here and there and reading other people's tweets as uh, uh, on um, the Twitter thing. So, yeah, that's Paul Inman SC, at Paul Inman SC. Um, follow me, friend me, or whatever it's called. I don't know. I'm old now, so I guess I just make up my own words. <laughs> you know how it is. When you get old, you just start making up your own things. You don't care what the kids say anymore. Exactly. <laughs> the, the, the current vernacular holds no no sway. Nope. And, uh, you know, uh, we hope you guys are enjoying this. Maybe, um, uh, maybe we'll um, open up a, a thread on the, the Goodreads forum. You could uh, voice voice your opinions if you want to or, or not. Or give suggestions. I, I know we're still sort of getting our footing right now. This is only like our the third time we're recording. But we're I think we're getting there. And uh, hopefully it'll get better, especially if you guys have suggestions and recommendations and comments. If, you, if there's anything that you see we can improve, we'd love to hear it. Yep. Until next time, have a great week. And good reading. Mm-hmm.